0: our saviour's arms today and he will bear us up and bless us in multiple ways. Now I wonder if we could turn in our Bibles at this stage to the book of Zechariah chapter 4 and we're going to read from the first verse of the chapter. The book of Zechariah chapter 4 and we're reading from the first verse of the chapter. The book of Zechariah, chapter 4, beginning Irene and verse 1. And the angel that talked with me came again, and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep, and said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and a seven lamps thereon, and seven pints. 2, the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof, and 2 olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by mind, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this this house. His hands shall also finish it. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the left side thereof? And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. And then said he, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing again to the reading of his precious word. Can we stand for a word of prayer just to change our position and let's seek the help of God. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we turn to thee in our Savior's name and we thank thee for the word of God. We thank thee for the provision that God has given, and we know that it is not by mind nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. We thank thee, Lord, for the power that is available, uh, and we pray that we might be uh, those that use the power, that we might be filled with the oil of the Holy Spirit today, and that we might seek to Make known thy word in a mighty way. Come and bless and help us uh, speak to our hearts. Draw us nigh to thee, for it is in Jesus' precious name that we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Well, my text, you might have guessed there, is the end of verse 6. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Zechariah was a prophet and a priest, he began his ministry around the year 520 BC, shortly after the prophet Haggai had begun his prophetic work. Nearly 20 years after returning from the Babylonian exile in the time of Cyrus, God's people had become discouraged. They had been opposed by those who were enemies of the work of God and the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the work of the building of Jerusalem had come to a, a halt. Ezra chapter 4, verse 24 says, Then ceased the work of the house of God which is at Jerusalem. And the great progress that had been made came to a sudden halt, and there was a, a sudden hiatus in the work of God. And in the meantime, we find that there was uh, very little evidence of the renewal and the revival. That the, the prophets and many of God's people had expected when the children of Israel had got back into the city of Jerusalem. And indeed, many had come to the conclusion that it was a day of small things. They um, felt that uh, there was, um, uh, the walls were partially rebuilt, there seemed to be opposition on every hand, the world was against them, the government was against them. Uh, the people around them there were many enemies who were coming against the work of God and the people were thinking to themselves there's never going to be very much progress in the work of God this is a day of small things and maybe we have come to the same conclusion about our own day and generation there is much opposition to the work of God Uh, there are those that will in every occasion seek to Stop the pro- uh, the proper uh, the propagation of the word of God. You might have heard on the news how that there was a Christian organization, the Wilberforce Trust, that had a meeting in one of the Oxford colleges in the summertime. Uh, but somebody objected. Somebody who hadn't been to the meetings. Somebody who hadn't bothered to listen what were in the meetings and the Oxford College one that was founded in Christian values, uh, went then to apologize to those that were offended. And we live in a day like that. And maybe sometimes we've come to the conclusion that this is a day of small things. We're not going to get very far. We're not going to do very much. We're not going to see many precious souls won to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I want you to see that the prophet has given a message for a day like that, you'll notice it says in verse one of chapter four that the angel talked with me. The angel came and talked with him, and it says that he waked him out of a sleep. Here he is, and he is brought to a consciousness of reality. He's in a sleep; he is dead to the world, as it were, and um, he has been lulled into a sense of security and. Now the angel comes to awaken him out of his sleep. And I want you to see that the angel asked Zechariah what he sees because he's given a vision. Look at verse 2, and he said unto me, What seest thou? And uh, the vision here is recounted by the prophet. He says, uh, And I looked, and behold, a candlestick, all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and the seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof. And two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So he sees the golden lampstand here. The lampstand would have reminded him of the lampstand that was in the um, uh, tabernacle or in the temple. Um, that would have been in the temple if the temple had have been built at that time. And he sees that this uh, candlestick or lampstand is gleaming with light. And it's gleaming with light because there are two bowls or two receptacles. And they are fed by two olive trees. And the olive oil is flowing to the lamps. And there's this continual burning. And here is the picture of the people of God burning out and they are sending out the light of the word in a day of darkness and in a day of much discouragement. And of course, we draw encouragement from that, that even in a day of darkness and in a day of discouragement and in a day when the people thought it was a day of small things, that the, uh, the uh, light of God would shine out. But you'll notice that there were two olive trees. Now, if you look at the end of the uh, chapter, you will see who these uh, olive trees represent. He said, then said he, these are the two anointed ones that stand before the Lord of the whole earth. And if you go on up there, and who are they? Well, you'll find that they are uh, the uh, Zerubbabel, who is the um, uh, Lord's, Uh, anointed governor. He is in the line of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is an ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is royalty. He is the governor. He is charged with doing the earthly of actually building uh, the work. And the other one is the priest who is here mentioned. And he is the one who represents the people before God. So there's the God word aspect and there is the manward aspect. There is the one who does the practicalities of the work. And the other one who is involved with the spiritualities of the work. And those two things are functioning together. And he says that it is the Holy Spirit who is enabling him to do that. You'll see there in the text, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And here is a message proclaimed to these discouraged people. God is speaking, and the point here is what he's saying, that uh, their uh, might and power was useless, but in the might and power of God that great things could be done. He says, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. In other words, God was going to provide an abundant supply to maintain the sevenfold flame and to supply uh, their need in the midst of that day so that the light of God would shine out. And the message I think that we should see for our day and generation is that the God who supplied the need of the people in that day by his Holy Spirit as he has sent his Holy Spirit into the world to be the comforter and to supply our need. And uh, as we labor, it's not by might nor by power, but it is by God's Spirit. If we were depending on ourselves or the uh, uh, numbers that we have or the abilities that we have, we would have cause to be discouraged today. If it was that we were depending upon our strength or upon our uh, intellectual abilities, we would have reason today uh, to doubt whether we could ever advance or see the word and the work of God advance. But the message here is that it's not by mind, nor by power, but by God's spirit. And so for a few minutes today, I want us to encourage our hearts, and I want us to think about these words that were given to the prophet Zechariah in a discouraging day, and I want us just to think about the uh, way that God can use us in this day and generation. Now, first of all then, I want you to see the function of the scenes. Now, that is suggested here by the lampstand, and here is a very comprehensive symbol, a very apt symbol. The lampstand, what was it for? It was to bear light. It was to give light. And we think of how the Lord said to his people in his day that ye are the light of the world. And the Lord didn't say ye are the brain's trust of the world. He didn't say that you're a fellowship of philosophers or you are mighty in your intellect or anything like this. He was speaking to humble folk. He was speaking to ordinary folk. And he says to them, ye are the light of the world. And he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven. The apostle Paul, he spoke about how in this crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. You remember John the Baptist, it was to said of him in his day that he was a burning and a shining light. Remember how the Lord Jesus spoke to uh, Paul and said to him, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for the salvation for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Or again, first Peter two and nine, that we, we are to show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. So we are to let our light shine. We are to be those that shine in the midst of Of this dark world, we have used the illustration, the darkness and the light. They they are separate one from another. And so we have to be separate from the things of sin so that we can let our light shine in this day and generation. But when you think about the cause of the light, and I'm speaking about cause in the sense of a person is a good cause or uh, this is a, a wonderful cause that we are involved in. What is the cause of the light? What is the light to do? Well, in the Old Testament te- temple, in the tabernacle, the light was to shine upon the vessels. It was to shine in the Holy of Holiness, Holies. The lampstand was right in the Holy of Holies. It shone upon the table of incense. It shone upon the, um, uh, the veil that was there. And it uh, shone upon the table of showbread that was there. And all of those things speak to us of the Lord Jesus Christ. They all depict the Lord Jesus Christ in different aspects. As the showbread, he is the bread of the, of the world. As the table of incense, uh, he is the one who offers prayers unto God for us. He's our advocate. He is the one who is there to bring the prayers of God's people uh, before him. So what we are to do as the lights of the world... We are to light and to shine our lights upon the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we're to preach Christ. We're to tell the world about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He's the only one who is the solution to the needs of people. He's the one who can bring rest. He's the one who can bring peace where there is turmoil. He can bring uh, help where there is need for help. He can bring healing where there is need for healing. And the Lord Jesus Christ is still the answer to the needs of men and women. We have heard tragic stories this week about uh, young people taking their lives. We have heard tragic stories this week about people who are down and discouraged and disappointed and depressed. But, oh, dear friend, as God's people, what we are to do is to let the light shine and shine by our lives upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Let our lights depict the Savior as much as we can. Let let people see the Lord Jesus Christ in you and in me. And that's what we are to do. And that's what we need the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to do in this day. But not only do I want you to think about the cause of the light, what it's for... But I want you to think about the cost of the light. Now, the light here, uh, the purpose of the light was to shine. But in order to shine, it had to burn the oil. There was a cost in the burning of the oil. And of course, in order for us to shine, there is a cost. There are different costs. We um, uh, We have to make sure that we are living in obedience to God. And that's not a cost in that sense, but it's something we should delight to do. But nevertheless, you know, uh, we have to be up and doing for God. We have to make sure that we're not sleeping while the world is perishing. We need to risk, as it were. We need to go out there and we need to be a voice. We we don't just sit and uh, give off and uh, uh, we don't just... Murmur about what's happening in the world. We need to be those who are involved, who are signing petitions. But more than that, because petitions are not going to solve the problem. Writing is not going to solve... We do that. We should do that. We should write and and complain and sign petitions. But the thing, the only one who can solve the problem is the Lord. And so I want you to see that the place of prayer is absolutely vital we need to pray we need to call upon God we need to seek his face and we need to give time to that we're so often like the disciples when the Lord Jesus went to pray in the garden of Gethsemane and we're sleepy and we can't watch and yet the Lord calls us to watch and there's a cost to shine in the light we need to be up and doing and we need to put ourselves out in order to make sure the light is going forth. I hope that we are putting ourselves out. I hope that we are involved and that we're not sitting back and letting things just uh, run over us. We need that cost of the light to be seen. But then I want you to see the concreteness of the light because letting your light shine is not just an abstract thing. It involves concrete behaviour. If we're going to let our light shine... Then it's going to be exhibited in our lives. It's going to be seen in what we do. Our light shines in our prayer life. Uh, it's going to shine when we're people of the book. The light shines when we're a faithful and obedient to God. Our light shines when we are married and are faithful and married marriage. Our light shines when we stay faithful to our commitments, when we're truthful. We're, our light shines when we're not in the world and we haven't the ses- sexual ethics of the world. Our light shines when we refuse uh, the uh, pornography and uh, the, uh, all of these things that are in the world. Our light shines when we love instead of hate. Our light shines when we pray for our enemies. But more than that, our light shines when we tell others the Gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our light has got to shine in concrete ways. It's not that we keep it to ourselves. We don't take our light and put it under a bushel so that it is hid. We've got to let it shine out to those that are around about us. no matter what they think, no matter what they may say about us, we've got to let the light shine. And then look at the consequence of the light, because God is glorifying. When the light shines. We should not act to get involved. Merely to satisfy our own uh, anger. Or fight for our, the, the cause that we are thinking about. But we are in this to glorify God most of all. Is that our aim? Is that our desire in our lives? To glorify God? Oh we need to turn on the lights today. The light of God in our lives. We need to let the light shine out. So I want you to see that we are the lights in the midst of this day and generation in which we live. But not only do I want you to see the function of the scenes, but look at the flow that sustains. Because in order for the light to shine, there has to be a supply of oil. There's got to be the oil here. It's indispensable. If there's no oil, there's going to be no flame. There's going to be nothing. So we need the Holy Spirit of God who is the oil to come and to supply our need. And you think of how the Lord Jesus on many occasions used the uh, picture or the analogy of uh, the light coming uh, and shining from within. You remember how the Lord Jesus spoke about the gift? He speaks about a gift from without. And then he speaks about that gift from without uh, being uh, welling up within us and flowing out. He says, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. So the water, or the oil, comes from the Lord. And then he goes on, And the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And he says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So the flow comes in, and then uh, it lights the flame, as it were, and by lighting the flame, it flows out the same way. He's using the other analogy here, the picture of the water. The water comes in and fills the vessel, and then flows out to others. And that's what we uh, need to be in this world. But where does the flow come from? Well, of course... The flow comes from the Lord himself. He gives the flow of the oil. We notice how that the oil speaks here of the Holy Spirit of God. And we re- remember how it's, we said that there's a Godward aspect and there's a manward aspect here to the flow that comes. You think of um, the Godward here, it speaks of Joshua, the high priest. He is the one that represent, re- represents uh, the man before God. And then there's Zerubbabel, the high priest. He's the one who uh, does the bidding and the work of God upon earth. And of course, both of those things speak to us of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the Holy Spirit himself. The Lord Jesus Christ is our advocate with the Father. We have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous he is our high priest he is the one who comes and meets our needs and he represents us before God and in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 it says seeing then that we have a high, great high priest that has passed into the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our profession so, thank God that we have the Lord Jesus Christ who comes to supply our need. And then on the manward side, you have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is one who's described as coming alongside to help us in John 15 and 26. But when the Comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify. Of me, you notice in the uh, two verses, the Advocate is said to be uh, with the Father, and the Comforter is sent from the Father and from uh, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And here is the supply that is given to us, and we think of the resurrection and our Advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, is in heaven. He's the first fruits of the resurrection. And thank God today there is a supply that comes to us through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the blessed Holy Spirit of God. And I want you to think about the supply that comes. I want you to realize that this is a glorious supply. We are told here that the oil here is pure golden oil. Look at the 12th verse of the chapter. And I answered again and said unto him. What be these two olive branches which through the two golden pi- pi- pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves. So this is golden oil. This is uh, pure oil. This is oil that has been purified to uh, the maximum. And what we need to burn in our lines is the pure golden oil that God has supplied now, we can cause sin to enter in and cause sometimes in the uh, temple if there was a little bit of um, impurity in the oil or if there was a little bit of dust that got onto the wick of the oil, it would send forth smoke. It would send forth, as it were, a stinking savor. And you know, we can let sin into our lives or we can defile the burning oil by letting false doctrine in this is the pure word of god that we preach this is the undefiled the incorruptible word of god that we preach and we don't use or we don't allow any vain traditions or scientific conjectures to in any way defile the precious oil that is given to us we preach the pure word of god We burn the pure oil in this day. We're not interested in the methods of man. We're not interested in what man has to say. We burn the pure oil of God, and that's why we need to be in the Word of God, and that's why it is so important that God's people are fed on the Word of God every day so that we burn the pure oil, that we don't let the conjectures and the propaganda of the world begin to defile the pure oil that we burn in this day. It's so sad to see in some um, uh, branches of the church that they're allowing the propaganda of the world or they're allowing the impurities of the world into the church and into the message that they preach. No, we preach the pure word of God. Not only... Is this a glorious supply? But it is a continuous supply. You see there that there are um, the the bowl, and there is the two trees with all of the olive oil that is coming out of them. And so there's going to be no halt to the supply that is given. Remember in Philippians chapter two and verse thirteen, God, the uh, Paul says, "For it is God which worketh in you to will and to do." Of his good pleasure. And the operative word there is worketh. It is a present tense. It means that God keeps on working. God never stops working. God works mightily in us so that there is this pure supply that is given to us that we shine in the midst of this world and we should not be in any way uh, afraid that the supply will come to an end unless we block the supply by our sin, unless we, as it were, turn away from the supply, there is a constant supply that is given. So we can say that it is by the Spirit of God. If we're looking to him, if we're in touch with him, if we're in constant uh, prayer before God, and if we're uh, reading the word of God, and if we're seeking to be in his presence day by day, then there is that continuous supply that he gives to us in order to enable us to shine as lights in the midst of the world. Not only is it a glorious supply and a continuous supply, but it is an abundant supply. There's an interesting point if you look at verse 2 and you look at the description of the candlestick. He says, And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps. And there are some of Hebrew authorities who have looked at that, and they have said that that could be a description of seven branches, with seven branches coming out of each of the seven branches. So you have 49 branches. Seven, of course, is the number of perfection. So 49 is um, perfection above perfection. But here is something that is abundant. God supplies pressed down, shaken together, full, and running over. Thank God that there is a full supply. We're never going to come to the point where God will not supply the preaching of his word. He will not let his people down if we're going to be lights in the midst of the world in which we live. It is God's will that the light shine and that we as God's people, as his church, be those lampstands in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. But I want you to see that the supply is there. It's given by God. The supply is there for us to draw from. And what we need to do is to tap in to the supply that he has given to us. But something else I want you to see here. We see the fulfillment of the service. What is the upshot of the shining of the lights? What happens when the lights shine out? He says it's not by might nor by power But by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts, and he shows us that it's by the supply that comes to us by the Holy Spirit and by the Lord Jesus Christ that we're able to shine in the midst of this world. But what will be the consequence if God's people are burning and shining lights in this day and generation? Well, I want you to see that opposition will be overcome. Look at um, the seventh verse here. It says, Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. So here is a big mountain. And um, it is blocking the way for Zerubbabel. But God says that even the greatest mountain will become a plain. The mountains will flow down at the presence of God. And you know we have many unscalable mountains and uh, impassable objects that are in front of us and we have a great enemy and it doesn't seem as if the enemy is going to melt away or go anywhere. But you know the great mountains can become just paths for God's service. The great mountains that seem to be so impregnable and impassable Are nothing in the sight of God. Do you remember what the Lord said to his disciples? If we have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, we'll say to this mountain, Be thou removed into the sea, and it'll be removed. And oh, how we need faith today in our God. God is mightier than the mountains, God is mightier than the governments. God is mightier than the uh, woke agenda and the LGBT lobby that we have today. God is mightier than them all. And he says, Zerubbabel, the mountain will become a plain. And when God's people shine, then the mountains become a plain. The opposition will be overcome. And then glory will be given. Look at verse 7. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, Grace unto it. Now, when it speaks about the headstone, you remember how the Lord in the um, New Testament is described as the uh, headstone of the corner. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the headstone, he's the chief corner stone. When we are shining as lights in the world, glory will be brought to the Lord. Uh, Self will be put in the dust, and uh, glory and applause will be brought to the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's hard not to let self get into it, but when when we shine as lights in the world, and when we're feeding on the pure oil that the Lord sends, then we will shine, and glory will be brought to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then something else. Construction will be completed. Look at verse 9. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. Those things that seem cannot be done. Those projects that seem to be lying in abeyance. Those things that seem never to be come to fruition. Those things will be done. The Lord Said, I have finished, when he spoke to his father, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And the work will be finished, and God's purposes will come to pass, and the construction will be complete. And then righteousness will be revealed. Look at verse 10. For who hath despised the stay of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. Now what is the plummet? The plumb line or the plummet there is the measurement of straightness and it's really speaking of righteousness here, morally straight, that which is upright, that which is good, that which is holy and we think of how the Lord leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake and when... Uh, the Lord, when God's people, uh, when our lights shine, righteousness is exalted. That's been the history down through the world. In days of revival, when God's word has gone forth, then righteousness has been exalted, even among the unsaved. Some of you can look back to days, and I remember what my parents when they were unsaved, and uh, you, didn't, um, you you didn't defile the Lord's day. You um, didn't work on the Lord's Day. You didn't do things on the Lord's Day. They were unsaved. That, was, that would have been the norm in this land amongst uh, many people. That was the norm. Righteousness is exalted when, when the light of God's people shine. Now, our light, I think, we have to say has become a little bit dim. We are succumbing to the temptation and the pressure that is upon us the devil today his whole object and aim is to make sure that the preaching of god's word and religion in general as opposed but particularly christianity is something private is something that is not in the public space and so he wants to shut down open airs he wants to make sure that the word of God is not uh, in any way carried into the workplace, that our religion is not going to be manifested in the workplace. At the same time, you have um, the education authority who are becoming champions or have become champions for Stonewall. Uh, So all of that is carried into the uh, workplace. But your religion, you can't carry that into the workplace The devil wants to shut our mouths, but we are to shine as lights in the midst of this world. Let's not let our light go dim. Let's not let our light be put under a bushel today. No matter what it means, if it means that we have to be fined, if it means that we have to be brought before court, then we are to let our light shine in the midst of this day and generation. If we stand for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, then he will reward us for what a cost it is that we have to take. But let us in this day shine as lights in the midst of a dark and evil world. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. Let's just bow in a wee word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we do thank thee for thy precious word to our hearts afresh. And our God, we pray that thou wast indeed enable us to shine as lights in the midst of this dark and evil generation in which we live. Lord, may we be fed by the pure olive oil that flows from our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit of God. O God, we pray that we might be those who are uh, pure lights in the midst of of all that we see around us. Bless thy word, write it upon our hearts. We pray that thou wouldst bless us as we go from this place today. And we'd ask thee that thou wouldst continue to bless throughout this day. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen.